But yeah, I mean, like literally Australia and New Zealand are pretty far apart and it's also not cheap to go anywhere from Australia. Like, I mean, relatively speaking. <laughs> and and New Zealand's been on major lockdown until the end of last year. You guys year. are like neighbours, come on. Yeah, but I also didn't like Arch enough uh prior to being on the on the team with him to want to meet with him it was one of his concerns about joining that's fair he's pretty stinky <laughs> i'm not stinky <laughs> fuck's sake oh sorry you're a dummy my bad my bad what oh okay Oh, you don't, you're not stinky, you're just dumb. Yeah. So rude, so rude. But you know what's not dumb? This episode of the Housing Frequency Podcast. <laughs> Arch, take us away. No, you're hosting this one, apparently. No. Yeah, well, yeah. if you hijack the segue yeah. into the intro of the episode, you need to do the, you're hosting it. No, I have yeah. a job interview in That's an hour. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're the host for the first and second segment. Well, welcome to the Housing Frequency Podcast. I don't know what to say. I'm hosting the first and second segment, apparently. I'm Suey, and I'm joined by the dummy over there and an Australian. <laughs> you know we're both Australian, right? No, no, no. You're a fake Australian. Yeah, oh, that is wow. true. As the authentic Australian here, I am qualified to uh, make that judgment. There's a title episode, The Dummy and the Australian. Uh, but yes, um, we are using this because why not? Um, Suey, apart from incredibly, incredibly rushed, how are you? I'm right. I'm a little stressed right now because I have a job interview soon. Um <laughs> But things are going well in life. You know, I actually have a job interview, so that's also a great thing. Um, life has been going good. I only have two uh, videos left, and then I've done my 30 days of yoga challenge thing I've been doing. And, like, I've been feeling wow. so good. Yesterday I got my blood drawn so that I can get um, allergy testing done. And I might be able to get oh, allergy nice. shots soon. Like, things are looking up in my life, man. I'm thriving. Love to hear it. And, what are you going to uh, do after the 30 days of yoga? Sorry, Drongo, one moment. Um, I'm going to be doing, like, more yoga and... <laughs> and <laughs> Another like, 30 Zumba. days. And then, and then I have just dance on the Wii. <laughs> I have Wii Fit. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Does... I, I mean, I've never done yoga and I've never done dancing, but do they... Tr is there, like, a translation between the two? Is there a lot of carryover? No, not at all. Okay. Um, the, <laughs> right. the Zumba and stuff is cardio, and then uh, yoga does kind of do cardio, but it's mostly strength and balance. Mm -hmm. Um, And I needed a certain level of strength and balance before I could even really go into cardio because I was that out of shape. Gotcha. You know. As um, people who spend all day on the computer and never stand up or want to do. <laughs> Don't Feel do that. Feel a little cold out. I've, I've, I've landed in hospital from that before, so don't do that. Get up and stretch your leggies. Um, and speaking of stretching leggies and being called out, how are you, Drongo? 
Yeah, good. I mean, I was just going to briefly interject at the start there because jokes aside, we didn't actually introduce ourselves. I'm Bloody Drongo, and I am also joined by Arch Play Stuff, um, as well as Sui, who is leading this episode. Apparently. Yeah, everyone's um, taking a turn. <laughs> yeah, we're all, we're all joining in. This is a mess, but I, I mean, we're the messiest people of Halcyon, let's be real here. We're the most unhinged. Wow. wow. Calling Drongo unhinged. I mean, it's not the first time. Let's be real here. Come on. I can own that. It's probably the least offensive thing I've been called. Also, also, if anyone listening, you know, if they can't listen and be like, oh, no, it's Sui, Arch, and Drongo before we've introduced ourselves, then they need to be listening more because, quite frankly, we... This is not the first time we've all been put together, and I think last time it was just as chaotic and just as much of a mess, because Sui, <laughs> Sui kept trying to be the host. Like, it's something you I've been noticing. You're taking too long, She's, okay? You you're using the argument. And I saw a you're great using the argument of having. so I went ahead and did it so that we weren't just sitting here and waiting for you to eventually find something. I wanted th things to get moving, man. I think we were halfway through a conversation when you jumped on a segue. Yeah, and it was like, a perfect segue. What can I say? I I I don't remember what it was, but I sincerely doubt that just because, like, you know, I have no evidence, but I just simply reject it. But to the point, I'm doing really well today. I woke oh, yeah, up like right. half an hour ago and I've had my coffee and that's that's all there is to say. But I've had a good week. I've had a good month, and I'm feeling good, man. Feeling good. Yeah. How are you, um, Arch? I thought thought no one would ask. I was waiting for Sui to butt in and change the topic you, again. You, Sui. just to answer the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop talking. Answer the question. No, I'm pretty good too. <laughs> um, I've actually just come off of uh, the ANZ grassroots slot I had, which was yeah, man. Intense. A lot of fun. A lot of um. A lot of a lot of like self-given pressure, I'd say. Mm -hmm. You know, the the desire to convert people, the desire to to capitalize on all of it. But no, it was it was pretty good and pretty fun, you know. I'm I think I managed to play some games that really capitulated what I um no, that's not the right word, is it? Hang on. Um yeah, that's cease to resist or an unwelcome. Yeah, that really showcased what I uh, what I can do and and the fun that we have on my streams. So it was pretty good. I got some new faces in, some new people come along, and um, yeah, um, I actually went through the stats earlier this week uh, just to show some people what the major difference was, and it's like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, on a normal two week period, I'll get. You know, four to five thousand live views. On this one, I think I got like four hundred thousand live views uh, wow. from being on the front page and such. So there was very, very big difference in that. But sort of settling down after that, feeling a little bit like, oh, now what? <laughs> yeah. To put that but into context as well, like four hundred thousand is so many to the point where I think my channel since I started streaming five years ago, is only at, like, 800,000 live views. Yeah, In it's, total history. 
So it was it's like, the funniest thing. That's wild. It was the funniest thing because essentially, um, what was the the thing that I wanted to to cover? And I think I got the number wrong. I think it might be like forty. It might not be that giant. But um, just trying to remember. The thing that sort of blew me away was I was supposed to be on the front page on the Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I wasn't. And, you know, I thought, okay, that's odd. The numbers are a bit wrong. But they actually emailed me later on that week and said, hey, look, we were just looking at the stats. It doesn't look like you're on the front page. The numbers don't add up. So we're going to um, give you another slot. And I was just given the Thursday evening, right? And I was yeah. like, oh, okay, well, I thought I was on the front page the other day. I wasn't. Now I'm on it just on a random Thursday. I can kind of do whatever I want. You know, <laughs> there's, there's no pressure. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was absolutely huge. I think I hit like 800 viewers. Wow. Um, and it's like, oh, oh, okay. That's, that's what being on the actual front page is about. Um, yeah, that's and it huge. Was, yeah, it was a lot of fun and just a great time. And I really did enjoy it. Even if I got all the numbers wrong. Speaking of front page, <laughs> I would like to um, quickly insert here the uh, Halcyon Frequency Hot Potato is coming back with a Dwarf Fortress Hot Potato, and the applications are closing very, very soon. So if you're interested in that, make sure you apply. Um, it's posted to our Twitter. It's posted in our Discord. You guys can go ahead and apply if you are a streamer, and we will get back to you. Yeah, in case anybody's not familiar with what that actually means, do you want to give a brief yeah. high-level overview <laughs> of what the Hot Potato Dwarf Fortress is? Yeah, the Hot Potato is basically where um, a large group of streamers raise money for charity. We so far have been picking Doctors Without Borders. Maybe that will change someday. Maybe it won't. I don't know. Um, and we raise money. It's basically one person has a save file. And then they play it for their timing, and then they give it to the next person, and they raid that person on Twitch, right? And so it just keeps going and going and building and building. It's a relay marathon, um, if you know anything about, like, running and stuff. Or, you know, you probably know what a relay marathon means, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what it is. Um, And the reason I said, like, speaking of front page, it's because we get to often have some front page slots during... The hot potato. I don't know if the Dwarf Fortress one will have it for sure. You know, it's never guaranteed, but um, Twitch seems to like us. So, you know, fingers crossed. Well, it's all for a good cause. And um, yeah, the RimWorld one so far has been mm-hmm. absolutely, absolutely fun. I, I'm not sure if I'm signed up for the Dwarf Fortress one. I, I don't know. I think I kind of do want to sign up for it. Are you yeah. signed up, Drongo? Did do we need to sign up? Yes. I didn't know that we needed. Oh, okay, all right. I would better do that. Like, I was, okay. I was. The way it works is it. I kind of one. actually assumed because we're on the team <laughs> that we would automatically be included, but I obviously missed that memo. My bad. Not all the team is interested in Dwarf Fortress. Oh, him, me. Um. So. Fair. Yeah, and plus we need one big master list to work off of, if that makes sense, because. You know, yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, if we have it in like five different places, someone's gonna get missed. That's just the yeah. That's how big projects like this go. You need everything on spot space, or somebody's gonna get you know tossed to the wayside on accident. You know, 
We don't know what happened, but it will happen. Or it could happen. <laughs> Look, if anybody needs to be tossed to the wayside, I'm happy for it to be me. But that will be my prompt to go and sign up. And so should you, if you're listening to this, and you're a streamer, and you like Dwarf Fortress, and good causes. All right. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. It was awkward and quiet. I was trying to fill it up was, the space. It was like two seconds. Yeah. My gosh. It was like two seconds of empty space. How are we going to live? I, <laughs> so this reminds me of a conversation we had on stream the other day. I'm one of those people that is not at all ever bothered by uncomfortable silences or in quotation uncomfortable silences like silences in conversation and social interaction i'm totally okay with because i'm always there just like oh man i can't wait for this conversation to be over not like in a negative way but it's like it's always like a, a moment to kind of like recollect myself and like take a breather from the social interactions yeah. that are going on and so i'm quite happy and comfortable in silence whenever they happen and i'm happy to let that linger um, and I wasn't really aware that this was something that made other people uncomfortable until this would have been about five or six years ago. Now I was in the car with my best mate's wife and we were driving to a nearby town that was like 40 minutes away. And I got in the car with her and we chatted like back and forth for the first like 10 minutes of the car journey, just kind of just catching up and talking about what's been going on. And then the conversation slowly died off naturally. And then uh, we sat in silence for the rest of the car trip. And I thought nothing of it. Like if I'm in the car, I'm like daydreaming and I'm just like, my mind is elsewhere. Mm -hmm. But it got to the end of the car trip and she's like pulled up and goes, man, that was so awkward. <laughs> I'm like, <"Wait>, what? <laughs> and apparently like she'd spent like, spent like the latter half of the car trip, just like sat in like uncomfortable silence in like some kind of expectation that she should be filling the silence with something. And meanwhile, just like, meanwhile, your mind wasn't even in the car. Was not even in the same universe, my friend. I was <laughs> off. I was off with it. So yeah, silences never bother me. It's just like, I'm totally fine with it. Well, speaking of silence. So I apologize, Sui, for making you uncomfortable is my point in a roundabout way. <laughs> you're good. You're good. No, no, I didn't feel that uncomfortable. It's just like, I feel this obligation because we're recording. Keep it going in like day-to-day -day casual conversation. I don't care. But when we're recording, I'm like, all right, can't have a second of silence. Like, I'm that way on stream too. And it's probably not good. But anyway, so, anyway, we should I... talk about our games, right? <laughs> she doesn't get to talk let's go talk about games bye guys we'll be, See you in a second. we'll be back after this uncomfortable silence back after that uncomfortable long silence that you guys totally heard yep mm -hmm. anyway mm -hmm. um us three we've all been playing one game in uh that's the same i've noticed uh there's there's like these undead things going around some kind of subway virus. surfers 
Yeah, Subway Surfers on the mobile. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, 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 I can totally. I don't know what that is. Really? What? That was like, <laughs> that was like my childhood a little bit. It's still out and it's got, it's full of ads now. Really? That's but, lame. Yeah. But, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Project Zomboid. Uh, Drongo and myself dived into it for the first time. Sui, you're a little bit of a, uh, uh, veteran at it, but Drongo, what, what inspired you to jump into it and how have you found it? So I, obviously I've watched a lot of Sui playing it and also, uh, Rual Storge, who yep. both of them are very talented Zomboid players. And it's a game that's kind of been recommended to me repeatedly over the last couple of years. Like, oh yeah, you'd really like it, you'd really like it. And it's been one of those games where I just like kind of dragged my heels on it because I was just like, oh, it just seems like a lot to try and get into at the moment. So it was on my to-do list and I wasn't super keen on playing it, but I enjoyed watching it and there was definitely some interest there. But what tipped the balance for me was actually watching... Uh, some clips on TikTok of these guys who uh, play Project Zomboid and they have a few mods and they kind of RP like a paramilitary organization or something and they're like going to military black sites to try and find cures and like clearing out airports and stuff like that in the game and they do these like little mini chapters on TikTok about their adventures and stuff like that and some of them were really entertaining and that was kind of like the the tipping point for me was that RP aspect. And yeah, yeah so I, I finally jumped in and gave it a play and it is a behemoth in terms of the UI. It is honestly a total mess. That game <laughs> UI is probably a lesson of what not to do when implementing a user interface for your game. It is just... Uh, just near on just just chaos utter chaos it's like it's like an onion of development there is layer upon layer of implemented systems that have been put over the top of each other that just mishmash in the weirdest ways makes you miss However, the world doesn't it oh yeah absolutely it's bad however there is also a element of intuitive uh, intuitivity no that's not a word intuitiveness that comes along with a game of things to the procedure to actually do things makes a degree of sense and so if you can get your way through the interactive like the the way to interact with the world and work out how to do the things that you need to do things will mostly work in the way that you would expect them to work from a realism standpoint and i appreciate that yeah and the rest of the game ticks a lot of boxes for me. I like the ability to kind of RP and explore a world. I like post-apocalyptic scenarios. I like uh, survival games. I like sandbox building games. So everything else kind of clicks. So my enjoyment after that initial learning curve of how to interact with the world has increased exponentially. And I'm really enjoying the game overall. Yeah, that that's really awesome because I I was very much the same as you. I've been told about it. I've been told to play it and all of that. And 
it was always just sort of sitting there and I'd never actually dived into it. And I decided to, mostly because I had nothing else to play at the time. I mean, um, going through grassroots, I think I burned through all of the games I had as like, oh yeah, I'd like to play that. So I was kind of left with, with nothing else. And I thought, you know what, we're going to give Project Zomboy to go. It is so in-depth. It is so just, you know, there's no learning curve. It's a learning cliff. Mm. Um, you know, you're like, I, I died very quickly on every single character. Um, I obviously went for the curly mullet and (laughs) I had, I had Dazza, I had Shano, I had, um, Chuck, you know, some, some, some good names there, some, some solid names, but, um, they all just kept dying. So I actually, I, I wouldn't say I was like, you know, I raged quit or I, um, I was salty. I I was, I was well seasoned and, um, I decided that I needed something a little less stressful at the time, but. It has been sitting there that I want to get back to it and that I want to really give it a crack and sort of spend my time learning it. So it's something Mm. I will be playing more. And it is. It is just so in-depth and you're sitting there going, oh, yeah, you got a digital watch. What's that? You forgot to turn the alarm off? Okay, now your watch alarm has gone off and all the zombies know where you are and you're just like, oh, God damn it. You know, and so many things like that, and I just wind up getting bit and then slowly dying. Yeah, that's the game. The- mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the one that made me laugh in terms of the interface, which I think perfectly summarizes, like, Project Zomboid is the whole, like, the way that you manage your vehicle and look after your vehicle, like, being able to... Uh, you know, pump up your tires. But if you get a flat and you need to replace your tire, you need to find a car jack and then you got to jack your car up. But then you also need a tire iron to be able to take the tire off of the car and then put on a new one. And then you've got a tire pump to pump up the tire. And then once you're ready to take everything down and drive off, you've got to make sure that you've got the keys to the car and put the key in the ignition. And then you've got to make sure when you get out of the car to stop it running, you actually need to take the key out of the ignition. All in the interfaces, which are all wildly different from each other. It is just bizarre and unhinged. And as a bizarre and unhinged individual, it it does make me laugh. Okay, also also part of like the amazingness of that is uh, once you become more, you know, knowledgeable about the game, you can do almost all of that on just your keyboard too. So you'd barely even like notice the UI at a certain point. Like the only thing you're really looking at is opening certain menus. It well, that's the problem that I've had is that I there's not as many keybinds for the keyboard that I would like. Like for example, I can't loot using keybinds. Like what's that about? Because once you become more knowledgeable about the game. When you look in a container, you're going to want less than half the stuff in there. Yeah, but why can't you rest the mouse over one of the <laughs> yeah, items? Yeah, and just and have just like press- a take key bind. You can click and drag it like you're in a window. Y- yeah, uh, that I think that's his point. You have to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But that, that that's fine. I mean, it's definitely not a deal breaker. But 
Yeah. It, it, again, that is also a, a weird demonstration of the mishmash of different systems and the way that you interact with the world not being exactly consistent because there is keybinds, you're right. So like, you know, you can open and close doors and interact with, you know, the world with keybinds on your keyboards, but then there's a whole bunch of stuff that you can't do on the keyboard either. And it's like, where's the consistency? Hopefully one day they get there. I mean, they've only been around for, what, a decade? Yeah, only a decade. Yeah. You know, they're still children. Only a decade. Give it another but, 10 years. I mean, they're not yeah, even tweens yeah. yet. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> one more question before we do move on, though. Drongo, have you been role-playing in it? Oh, 100%. You know me. Yeah, so my yeah. latest character uh, <laughs> that I've been role-playing has been uh, Chuck Liberty. He's uh he's a classic Kentuckian and uh man he is just all about capitalism and uh he's all about business and capitalism you know what they say never sleeps and neither does he uh what a fella he's been a joy to play <laughs> I when I first started I noticed that every almost every um zombie had like um jewelry on it so i started taking the jewelry oh, no. off the zombies i killed oh, no. and then i realized that it's almost like a serial killer <laughs> so <laughs> it also i i quickly stopped that it's really heavy it's well i i wasn't so much fussed about that it was mostly the fact that i was taking mementos from every kill <laughs> that made me start to realize that my character probably really enjoyed the apocalypse a little bit too much, you know? It's, so cool. it's a slippery slope from, like, taking somebody's earrings to suddenly making a necklace made out of teeth, and that is room for concern. It'd be cool if you could, like, melt down the metal and, like, make weapons with it or something, though. Yeah, it would be nice if there was some kind of functionality for that. I agree. Yeah, I never did find a stick. But moving on, moving on, um, <laughs> Sui, you also played uh, State of Decay 2, which is also a yeah. zombie game, isn't it? I played that with Rawl, who was mentioned earlier in this episode, Rawl Storage, um, and we had a really good time. It's a zombie survival game, lots of looting, which, you know, I, I'm a bit of a loot goblin. I enjoy it. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And it's much more story focused and you like have this community that you put together and you play as the whole community in a way. Like you, it's right. third person, but you pick a character con to control and I really enjoyed it. Um, highly recommend checking it out. And yeah, Durango is also playing more zombie games. I am. Yeah. I, I've been playing some seven days to die with the community. Uh, this week, which is an old faithful of mine. It is just so much fun to play co-op, and I'm also very close to 100%ing it on Steam for achievements. I've only got two left to go, and both of them are somewhat achievable and Wait. do not require any multiplayer, so I'm going to be slowly chipping away at those in my own time over the next probably month or so. I totally didn't realize it had achievements. I love the game too. Yeah, uh, it actually, it's had achievements for a long time, but for the longest time, there a lot of them were broken. Hmm. 
and one of them required one of the old Steam achievements before they updated it, I think in the last couple of months, uh, used to require you get a thousand uh, multiplayer kills on players, which was just so such a ridiculous goal that it was just like, why, why bother? But they have redone all of their achievements. So uh, some of the historically broken ones, such as make your first axe, which was like 50% chance of whether it would trigger for you or not, uh, has been fixed. And also they've changed it so that the highest tier you need is 25 multiplayer kills. Mm. And um, yeah, That's much but it's great. I, I, I love that game. It's, it's, it's awesome. I do too. I, I love that it's, it's, I guess, maybe not a little bit of a resurgence, but I've definitely seen more people playing it lately than I, than I had for a while before. Mm. And sorry. Oh no, you were in the middle of a sentence. Go go go. Ah, and it's just um really fun game to see and a fun game to veg out and have all of the weird dumb things happening. Honestly, I just like games where you bop zombies in the head and loot stuff. That it's <laughs> it's a special place in my heart because I'm a loot goblin and I like killing zombies because they're easy to kill if that makes sense because i'm not very good at shooters and stuff so a lot of times like i don't like more complex enemies and i don't like pvp in that sense but with like these games you can completely do it pve and you can just uh you can do co-op and you know the zombie zombies don't move erratically Mm. for the most part you can usually just bob them in the head I've always loved horde breaker games, you know, when the the most difficult part of the game is not that there is really really tough enemies, but it's more that there's an unending horde of them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um going back to like the early days of Dynasty Warriors 2, I always loved that that the fact that the biggest challenge was usually the fact that you had to kill hundreds of people rather than necessarily oh you've got to fight this really tough boss you've got to fight this really tough boss in fact when there is the strongest character in the game the strongest boss in the in the game shows up Lu Bu the objective yeah, is Lu Bu is a jerk dude I'm yeah, not about that life the obje- objective is usually to avoid him you know like that's what I love about that. You can beat him, you can fight him, but he is incredibly tough, so they actually make it that you've got to avoid him rather than beat him. And and I like that. But yeah, Lubu is a jerk. <laughs> but I always I always love the jumping into like 50 people and then just laying waste with your gigantic sword or spear. Yeah, I think the 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 big draw card for me is that those sorts of games, especially when it comes down to multiplayer and Project Zomboid falls into this category as well, is that the actual gameplay loop reminds me a lot of DayZ, which has a lot of like the original DayZ when that first came out as an armor mod and that gameplay loop back there of like avoiding zombies, playing with or against players and looting areas to try and get better equipment is something that is just a a really nice and satisfying gameplay loop that's very, very familiar to me, and it goes across so many different games, and I just really enjoy it. 
Yeah, no, for sure. I absolutely agree with you. It's I I do enjoy the whole looting, upgrading, and then continuing on. Yeah, survival and you know being able to craft as well. So like, it feels like your loot actually mm-hmm. goes towards something. Yeah. Speaking of crafting, and this is this is going to be one of mine. Um, Sons of the Forest. I tried playing that. What do you think? Incredibly underwhelmed. Really? Um, it doesn't give you a lot of story and a lot of explanation about what's going on. I actually had to, I think it was look at the Steam page to find out what was going on. Because it starts basically, you know, um, the the blurb is on, on the Steam page is sent to find a missing billionaire on a remote island. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not told that. You start in a helicopter and you have a laptop that's got three pictures of people. That's it. And then the helicopter crashes and all of this happens. And there's no dialogue. There's no actual explanations about what has happened. It's all just, you know, like they've tried to tell you environmentally, but they've forgotten that it really needs context, you know? So... I have a very specific funny story about that very specific opening cutscene. Yeah. And the fact that it doesn't have any dialogue. If you don't progress through the laptop, the helicopter ride will continue indefinitely. And I was literally sat in the helicopter looking out the window at the island, waiting for things to happen. And I was giving the criticism that like, oh man, you would have thought that they would have added in like some kind of dialogue for this. I don't really understand what's going on and why I'm here, but I guess we're just flying around so we can see the island. And we literally sat there for about 10 minutes. I was like, wow, this is a really long opening cutscene for a game. <laughs> Until chat was like, Drongo, you can interact with the laptop in front of you. And I was just like, oh, right. It, it really just doesn't give you enough. Um, mm. Once you sort of get into it and once you start playing it and getting somewhere, it it does feel a little bit better. But even like Kelvin, I did not work out if Kelvin was deaf or like actually a little bit soft in the head after the injuries, because it doesn't tell you anything. You literally pick up this guy and you look at his ears and there's blood coming from it. And that's all you get. But then he has this vacant look in his eyes and can only do things like fetch sticks. And, <laughs> you know, your half wonder is, okay, is that just, you know, NPC stuff or is that actually uh, Kelvin? Um, and the there's there's a fair few things that sort of bothered me a little bit about it. Like, I think that it has potential and I think that it could be a lot of fun. Um, to me, I just need a little bit more direction, a little bit more explanation, even if you're finding like audio logs, even if you're finding mission documents as you continue from the crashed helicopter or something, you know, Mm -hmm. um, a little bit like that. But the other thing that, that really got me was, and I think this is something that they'd already fixed or something. Just playing solo, building a defense is tough. Like, you can carry two logs at a time, and it takes five logs to do, like, one wall piece. And the crafting has this way that is both really interesting, but also really frustrating. 
in the sense that where you place logs matters. Like if you yeah. place two logs apart and then you put logs in the middle, bang, you've got a wall. But it, it just makes it really weird. But then if you're building like a house from the crafting book, you can actually just select the house, choose where to put the blueprints, and then just keep delivering logs to it. And like yeah. to me, that's so much better. And like you can basically put a blueprint down and then you've got to deliver the materials. But then other bits, you've got to ab actually, you know, just go and make it yourself. And it's, it's, it's both fun, engaging, and also infuriating when it gets to that. I spent like an hour putting up a fence around my, my place because the zombies don't stop coming. Not zombies, the cannibals. The cannibals don't stop coming. You know, if you're trying to sleep, if you are doing anything, they will just start randomly attacking always and i put up some skeletons which we named bob to try and keep them away but they were still attacking and it was like okay i've got no clue if this is what i'm meant to do there's no guides there's no um instruction there's no it, it's it's almost like the sandbox experience but it's very clear there actually is something you're meant to do if that makes sense, you know, yeah. a sandbox game will just drop you in somewhere, but you're not expected to do anything. Whereas this, there's very clearly a story. There's very clearly parts you've got to explore. And, um, what was the other one? The three GPS tags. You're, you're basically the other soldiers who are with you or the other people. Two of yeah. them you can just find. One of them is buried. Yeah. And apparently to get him, you've got to get the shovel, which requires going through several, um, you know, several underground mazes and caves and getting zip lines and everything in order to actually get the shovel so you can dig him up. And it, that, it doesn't tell you. <laughs> it's a very frustrating gameplay progression. I completely agree. That sounds, but apart from that, that sounds apart from that, it can be a lot of fun. You know, it, I, I could imagine playing with a group and it being a lot of fun. Not, not a problem at all. So sorry. Um, yeah, it's painful solo, but if you know where to go and know what to do, I think it could be a lot of fun. Um, speaking of Suey. Yeah. Do you want to tell us about Against the Storm? Yeah, I've been playing it. I think I talked about it on the last podcast. I don't know, but like, yeah, I did. I did. But um, I've been really enjoying it. I've been slowly working up doing like the harder difficulties and stuff because the way it works is you can choose whatever difficulty you want and then you can keep going. Um, It's a roguelite. So basically you are building up this like little settlement and you have specific goals and you have to like beat the AI. Basically, it's not like actually beating the AI. It's not like a 4X in that way, but it's like, you know, there's a little timer that just keeps going. And you have to basically beat it. I mean, there's some nuance, but that's the gist of it, right? And um, I've been really enjoying it because as you do harder difficulties, like it adds more mechanics, but it does it at a speed where, you know, it feels very digestible, which I've been really enjoying. And, you know, most of the reason I don't like uh, City Builders is most of the time it feels boring to me. Like it's a lot of creativity 
And I'm not really one for creativity in my gaming experience. I'm the type who wants to go do fetch quests, who wants to deliver a ton of materials, you know, who wants to go through a story. I don't really want to be creative because I only have so much creative energy and I'm already spending that streaming. Does that make sense? So I've been really enjoying Against the Storm. Yeah. I don't have to spend that creative energy. I nice. I love Against the Storm. It's got the most beautiful aesthetic and vibe. That's de it's definitely on my short list of games to play this year. Good. Yeah, no, it's just got beautiful vibes. I really love it. It's so nice. It's just such a nice aesthetic, and you can just sort of sit there, and the rainfall comes, and the storms happen, and then afterwards as they pass you know you sort of see everything just sort of like goes calm again it's really great i i really do like it drongo on yes. your list here your other game how's rimworld been treating you rimworld has been treating me well i've actually been practicing for a special event uh, that is t uh, happening right now, uh, all this month, and it's the Ragtag Race to Riches, where a bunch of streamers are getting together and playing the exact same scenario, exact same map, start, save, whatever you want to call it. Uh, mm -hmm. No mods, no DLC, and the idea is you have 10 hours of game time to accumulate the highest wealth possible. And it is a pretty interesting idea. And so I had been given a little bit of information as to what to expect. So I'd spent some time in RimWorld uh, trying to get used to number one, playing without any of the mods or DLC again, because I've been playing with all of them for quite some time now. Yep. And... Also, just trying to get used to the idea of trying to accumulate as much wealth as high uh, as quickly as possible, and trying to theorycraft strategies by which to do that in the most efficient way possible. And I've really enjoyed that process. It's been a very satisfying way to kind of leverage my existing game knowledge in a way that is different to what I would normally be doing in the game and just really expanding on that and also investigating other mechanics that I hadn't really had reason to look at even more closely. And yeah, it's just been a very satisfying experience. So I'm really enjoying RimWorld at the moment. Yeah, I've actually started a new... um new run in it um diving in with project rim factory oh man i saw you i was lurking on that stream where you started it up and i'm like oh my god you I, absolute masochist i am so lost but i am loving it <laughs> like there is so much to do and there's so many things and i still don't know what it all does and i'm sort of learning and placing things and i'm like there's no way this colony is going to survive and it just keeps surviving it um you know like i'm learning that okay you can have something that just mines random rocks and it just dumps it in the local vicinity right and so 
I've I've basically put together a little thing that it will dump it in the local vicinity. In that vicinity is something that if it's a rock, it'll turn it into a brick. If it's steel slag, it'll turn it into steel. And it's like, just like all these machines jumbled up together. And I'm like, at some point, I'm going to need to learn the conveyor belt system because I've been on a huge conveyor belt kick. I realized this now. And it wasn't until um, I was playing Factorio the other day on stream as well. And I was like, I just like watching items go from A to B without me having to carry them. Like, <laughs> I've been playing Satisfactory, I've been playing Planet Crafter, I've been playing Factorio, and I'm just really enjoying the whole thing. So that's why I got the idea of, why don't I try doing that with RimWorld? And it's been... A time. <laughs> Wait until you hear about sushi trains, man. You're going to love those. I loved that video. Are you referring to, uh, I think his name is Dosh Doshington? I have no idea who that is. No, I'm just talking about sushi trains, man. They're great. Oh, right. Oh, right. Okay. So uh, a little bit of context for that one then for my reference. Um, Dosh Doshington, a sushi train in Factorio is everything on the same belt. <laughs> okay. And Dosh right. Doshington did a video, which is what got me into Factorio again. Basically put everything that, that, that yeah, you need in Factorio on the same belt. Right. Like, you know, the iron ore goes onto the same belt as the circuits and all of these different things pull off what they need. And it's like this giant belt that he's built. And that's, that's what made me think of that. But yes, sushi trains might actually, uh, sushi belts might actually make me overcome my dislike of sushi. Do you not like sushi? Man, yeah. okay. Well, I'm going to have to dig deeper into that one another time. <laughs> yeah, well, that'll be a very long discussion because I firmly believe that sushi is only for people who think having sushi is trendy. Nobody actually likes it. Well, speaking of trendy, why don't we take a look at this week's news after this break? back with episode 60 of the Halcyon Frequency podcast. Uh, we are sans Sui now. I'm not sure we mentioned what episode it was earlier on in there. No, we didn't. It, it was a little bit of a um, hectic start to that, that podcast. It's honestly, honestly, we need an adult that that's, that's those, those, those podcasts, those episodes when it's just us three, we need an adult. <laughs> but we are going to be diving into some news and the first one of business is Starfield has been delayed mm. again apparently I didn't even know it had been delayed <laughs> to begin with <laughs> I um, also didn't know it had been delayed uh... honestly I just saw a lot of people very happy that there was a launch date because I don't yeah. think it had been directly given um, 
So apparently it was originally set to launch on November 11, 2022, but it was Mm -hmm. delayed into the first half of 2023 and then has finally been confirmed for September 6. It's looking very pretty, but also very Bethesda to me. Okay. Um, Do you want to expand on what you mean by that? It's still got that same Bethesda feel. It feels like a done up, um, done up Skyrim set in space, if that makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> okay, like, is that a bad thing though? No, I am. I am super excited for it. I love Bethesda's work. I love, you know, uh, uh, there's always that talk about how, oh yeah, they need modders to fix things, but it is so modding accessible. You know, it's so accessible modding-wise, you know. Um, and I think that that's great. And I, I am both excited for the game launching and then also for what the modding community can bring and do. Because, like, mm. to be totally honest, I've probably never played Skyrim Vanilla. And what? Yeah, no. We are like the pole opposites of people. You realize that, right? Because I have only ever played Skyrim vanilla. No, when I go to play Skyrim or or anything like that, I look at uh, it's it's usually the quality of life mods. It's usually the the visual mods that I go for. I don't necessarily go to change up things massively, but yeah, no. I I love what mods can come from Skyrim and uh, same with Fallout. Uh, I obviously have played the Fallout games vanilla. Mm. Um, but obviously. I, obviously, like naturally, evidently. Um, but if I go back and play it again, I will not play it with, um, like, I won't play it vanilla. Yeah, right. But, yeah, so I look at this and it looks beautiful. It looks fun. It looks honestly slightly like No Man's Sky in a lot of the aspects, but then you've got the customization aspects that I really wish No Man's Sky had. Um, yeah. You know, like the ability to customize your ship like visually that you that you can't do in No Man's Sky and it frustrates me a lot. Yeah, that that seems like a really weird thing that they don't have in No Man's Sky. But then there's also a lot of things that I have to say about No Man's Sky, which is definitely off topic. Uh, (laughs) I agree. It looks very pretty. And realistically, I think it ticks a lot of the boxes of what I would expect a Bethesda sci-fi game would look like. And I'm okay with that. And I think the really big thing to me, whether this is going to be a a pretty good game or a really good game, is going to be how the actual space combat feels. That, to me, is one of the really big deal breakers when it comes to sci-fi games like this that include you know, free form flying of your ships out in the world. And there's no point in being able to customize your ship and make it all pretty and make it do cool things and give it cool weapons if 
it doesn't actually play well in that scenario. I already know that Bethesda can put together a competent either first person or third person RPG experience, but whether they can do the the space combat stuff, I'm not mm. sure. I'm yet to be convinced. So I think that's going to be one of the big things that I'm going to be looking for when it does release. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I'm, I'm just looking through the... Um the pictures that were included in the um in the in the article and we'll include the article down below the uh podcast but like pictures 18 and 16 and just going back like uh 12 i'm getting massive no man's sky environments like they look like procedurally generated creatures that are just going to be you know, like, it's kind of the thing that I have with No Man's Sky is you land on a place that nowhere else is, no one's ever been on, and all all of the alien life forms are some weird mishmash that looks like it could be from anywhere else. Um, I'm really interested to see how it goes. Like you said, the space combat is something that's important. Um, I wouldn't mind, like, auto-targeting stuff. Bethesda does a lot of VATs and that with uh, Fallout, and I think that could add some fun to to this as well yeah well i think vats can also be leveraged as a really nice accessibility tool yeah for uh, sure. as well and not everybody is going to be wanting like a uh a semi flight sim-esque sort of space combat experience that especially coming from like an RPG sort of genre player base, that's probably not going to be something that a huge portion of the player base is going to be looking for. So I could understand if they do include some kind of, you know, that sort of style auto targeting and things like that. But I just want flying to feel nice and I want the, the combat, if they are going to have freeform combat, to feel fluid and natural and satisfying. And if they can tick those boxes, I think there's potential that this could be a really good game. Well, you know what the um the most important or the best best bit of news about um this releasing is, right? No, what's that? Tell me. It, it means they'll start working on Elder Scrolls 6. <laughs> It did make they, me laugh in the most recent trailer that they released where Todd Howe was talking like, now I know everybody's been wanting us to release something new from our vaults for the past decade. It's like, yeah, fam, all you've been doing is walking out Skyrim in new dresses for the past <laughs> God knows how long. Give us something new to play, please. We are begging you. That said, I got Skyrim on my Fitbit and oh my gosh, it worked now. Um, it really did become a bit of a meme, but it also is a testament to how good that game is because it's still selling. They wouldn't do it if it didn't. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, credit where credit's due, Skyrim, incredible game. And, you know, Bethesda, for all of their faults, they know how to put together a really, really fun RPG experience. So I'm very much looking forward to this. Even if it takes them a few updates to fix it. Well, I mean, I, you know what? I've never been somebody who's been mad at Bethesda games for their bugs because I find them almost always really endearing ones. Like, 
getting catapulted into orbit by a giant or, you know, weird bugs in oblivion with water walking and all kinds of like weird little interactions. Stuff like that, I think, gives the game character and gives the people really fun, memorable moments that don't substantially detract from the gameplay experience. Yeah, I think the no, stuff I'm that is that. actually really important for them to get right is uh, things like uh, honoring any kind of uh, pre-order exclusive items that come with sales of Starfield or making sure that their users' uh, private information is kept private. Things like that. <laughs> That's the really important stuff that Bethesda has a lot of room to improve on if we've learned anything from Fallout 76. Which I hope we have, because that game actually got good, and I, I've played it on stream, and all you get is people coming in going, oh my gosh, this game sucks, and you're like, why? And they're like, at the start, they did this wrong, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. But the game's actually good. <laughs> to be fair, like, the game may well be good, but I'm definitely one of those people that, on principle alone, is just like, I just... I don't think I can bring myself to play Fallout 76 just because it they just put me so far offside through that initial drama that I was just like, yeah, nah, forget it, fam. I'll miss this one. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Moving on, we've got another bit of news that is still unfolding as of today because it just was announced yesterday. Discord has announced three experimental AI tools soon entering testing. Um, a bot that is going to use chat GPT called Clyde. Mm -hmm. um, and then a moderation bot. And what was the other one? I don't remember the other one. Maybe it is two moderation ones. Oh no, mid journey. Just looking through the uh, AI art generation bot. So that will be um, something that will be coming in. And <sighs> Discord, why do you keep doing this? Well, okay. Well, why don't you start off by outlining your position and then let's talk about that rather than just like throwing your hands up and going, <sighs> Tell me more. Uh, Tell me more about how you're feeling, Arch. I'm waiting for that train to pass. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's... Um, look, the use of ChatGPT, I don't mind so much. I've been playing around with ChatGPT, even on stream, um, throwing in random questions. We had Ferret uh, on Drugs was one of the, um, the, the cues to make a movie about. And then we decided to make it a children's movie and it really did. It was fun. It was entertaining. And so there are things like that that can be fun and entertaining. The AI moderation is, is going to uh, throw some, some questions in. But a lot of it is also um, in order to support a lot of this, Discord has removed certain statements in the privacy policies saying we don't store your information mm. and that was raised earlier by a lot of people when the i think the um discord sent out a notification of an updated privacy policy 
probably last week. Um, yeah, I've got one from the seventh here. And that's coming in on the 27th of March. And it was included there. And a lot of people were like, hey, this is strange. Why is this missing? And then they've come out with this. And it's like, well, it's very clear that in order to train the AI, they're going to be storing information. And so I think there's a little bit that that's going on here. And Discord is in that point where they're still, as far as I know, they're still not making a profit, right? They, mm. they have been exploring with so many ways. Um, there was the nitro is one that's continued. There is the server boosting. There is, there was the, the discord store where you could buy and play games, but that was removed. And there's also now, um, you can run server subscriptions similar to like Patreon and such and, um, charge a fee for the server and give different access based on that. So they are still trying to sell that. Now they don't sell personal information. They explicitly say that, that, um, yeah. they don't do that, but they're still collecting a large amount of information from what I have recalled. Um, basically they, the privacy policy now includes the ability to record calls, record, uh, what, like if you're sharing your screen, they can record that and, uh, any messages sent. So there's, there, there's some gray areas that have been set up and yeah. Okay. It may not have necessarily you know, a nefarious plan. They're not planning on collecting it all so they can sell it all. But it is a major shift in the way privacy is viewed. And I think that rightly has a few people concerned. Mm. And yeah, so I I think that, again, they are trying to capitalize on AI because they know AI is trending. They know there's AI communities on, um, on discord using things like mid journey and, and such. I just think it's, it's the exact same thing as the NFT thing. They're chasing something that they think will lead to popularity when it's actually upsetting a lot of people. Right. Okay. So I think I probably have a, a slightly different perspective of this. I think realistically, when it comes to privacy policies, there's really two main things that I'm always interested in is, you know, what information they retain and collect, which obviously you've touched on, but then what they actually do with that information, you know, whether that is, uh, you know, sold, whether that is kept for internal purposes or legal compliance you know there's a whole range of different reasons why you would store that information and in this circumstance you know obviously it would be uh at least in a large part you know to do with actually training the ai on whatever task they're going to be doing right um from my perspective i think the biggest net positive and maybe this is something that Discord is going to be naturally trying to pursue in the future is moderation within servers. 
And that is a massive problem that Discord has, is that there is a lot of illegal and illicit activity that happens and is enabled directly by via Discord that it is absolutely not feasible and realistic for them to actually police using typical manpower, like man-powered uh, methods. And it's right. a problem that realistically, on the sense of scale of the problem that it is, it's a problem that needs to be addressed by a system such as an AI and basic algorithms can be exploited. And I mean, even AI at this stage can be exploited and there's workarounds and all kinds of stuff, but that's the direction I think it needs to go in and will go in in the future. And the reason why I think maybe I have a slightly different perspective on this is that, um, when I was hacked at the you know start of last year, uh, when I got my account back, I was still in all of the servers that the hackers were using to actually facilitate actually stealing other people's information. And they would basically, they would steal uh, people's private information, such as credit card numbers, emails, uh, bank information, names, IP addresses, and then they would sell them. And the way it was right. set up was all internally uh, structured within Discord. So you have servers that um, are set up specifically to vet people that want to purchase a piece of uh, malicious software that can be used to steal somebody's key login and registration once they've uh, installed it or opened this software. And then after that, you get once you've been verified by this initial server you then are brought into the main server where it becomes almost like a brokerage and community server like you would expect for any other online community and there's people that are sharing tips and tricks about you know what they've found to work to get people to you know open this malicious uh software and the actual people that are providing the software are actually selling it through discord themselves and they're selling it to people at a fixed price. And then they have channels set up for people to network with each other and purchase and come together to purchase the software to start running these scams together. Like they can just mm. kind of crowdsource it because it's not always the cheapest, especially if you're coming from a country like Turkey or Russia, for example. And then they have actual Discord bots that actually run and distribute directly through discord itself the actual malware so it's all originated through that and then what you have is the hackers themselves being able to use other servers that act as brokerage to sell the information that they gain from these scams so things like the ability to sell discord nitro through accounts make purchases through there being able to sell people's uh, personal information, sell their credit card information. All of that is done internally via Discord. Every aspect of this is inside Discord. And it's all been set up in a framework that can be instantly set up if ever one of these servers gets manually found and taken down by the Discord moderation. And to my understanding, this happens fairly frequently. But they can, like what might take a, a single person hours and hours and hours of investigation to go, okay, this needs to be taken care of. I'm going to need to do X amount of paperwork to document this. You know, I might even 
need to report this to you know uh authorities regarding inf- you know compromised personal information blah 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 whatever it may be mm-hmm. that server is going to be back up and that service is going to be back up within 10 15 minutes because it's all in a template ready to go they'll have bots that will set uh macros that'll set up all of this stuff for them it- it'll be instantly there so realistically from my perspective i see ai as being the only feasible way that you can properly tackle these types of internal problems in a way that is actually feasible so i don't actually have a problem with it itself i definitely have an issue with ai art bots that's a whole problem that i just really do not like and there's a whole bunch of issues that i have in terms of the ownership of the data that is being used to actually train those bots and what that means for the ownership of the, any art that gets generated after that. But I think there's positive implications for AI and I think there's negative uh, implementations for AI. And I think Discord is probably somewhere in the middle of that at the moment. I think they, they're coming in with the best intentions. Whether or not it'll have the best results or the results they want will remains to be seen. But you're absolutely right in the sense that the the legal and illicit material is something that as discord becomes more of a um general platform and more accessible and and broader you're gonna start having more of that and you're absolutely right there i i can fully agree with you um the ai art you know i don't think i don't think anyone on the team really likes ai art but i can say for myself that i don't uh, I can see pieces and go, oh, that's cool, but, you know, it lacks any warmth. Um, I think that that's a misstep, but I think uh, using AI in moderation, um, I mean, like, actual as moderating tools, still should have a human signing off at it at the end. You know? Do you, though? Um, Dude, I, 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 I would almost argue that at a certain point, a... AI is going to be more likely, uh, like an AI that has been trained accordingly and properly within parameters and isn't being manipulated in some way, is more likely to make an objectively and consistent, and that's, that's one of the big words that I would use when we're talking about moderation, is consistent judgments in reference to material types. Do you think that it needs to be signed off by a human every time? I think there would need to be human review at some point. Um, I, I think okay, I think that's a, a fair. Of the YouTube, the YouTube content ID system, because <laughs> mm. realistically, that's been AI for so long, and you know, false claims and incorrect matches happen. Is that true AI though? I don't know if it is. It's a machine learning algorithm, which at this point is pretty much what AI is. It's just yeah, I, 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 a different spin and a different name. I don't it. know if that's a, a necessarily a fair comparison to make, though, as well, because even with that in mind, YouTube as a platform to maintain their safe har- harbor provision has to, from a legal standpoint, always side with the claimy so it's not always a, a problem of youtube on their side uh in the way it's structured you know, not to say that there isn't a lot of improvements they could make uh especially upon manual review or request for manual review uh mm. 
but they like from a legal standpoint they it's the, the the laws that they need to abide by that have resulted in the system that we have there yeah which i don't think is so, necessarily applicable to a platform uh like discord in the same way i think it yeah i think it's possible that it could result in that way um you know, AI moderation, like, like I said, um, so what they what they want it to do is they want to, uh, reduce false positive and catch offending messages skirting the rules. It's not necessarily, from what I can say, see here is it's not necessarily aimed at taking down the illicit servers on the back end. It's more you have an AI moderation bot in your channel mm -hmm. that, that follows the rules. Yeah, and to me, I think that the the situation you give with AI and how it can be used to, you know, track these things on mass and at scale, is incredibly valuable and incredibly worthwhile. Like I, I don't put all AI into the bin. I think there's a lot it can do, and there's a lot that it can we can learn from and do. I think it taking over the creative things such as um, art is, is where we're going the wrong direction, but obviously handling stuff like this, yes. The question I have is, with all of this going along, is it Discord chasing a trend in, to include AI? Which they've shown to do before. Mm. I mean, they, they talked about wanting to do NFTs. They talked about this. They are obviously wanting to chase what gets more people onto Discord. And that kind of makes sense. I kind of understand that. But is it something that will benefit the average user's experience? Or is it something that will eventually lead to Discord becoming the next the next uh, former thing? I mean, yeah, I mean, that's probably a, a pretty big question, but I think realistically, I don't think AI technology is a fad. Maybe in 10 years, I'll be wrong, but I, I don't think it's a fad in that, in that way. And I think it's probably, it, it, I think it's probably fair to say that the idea of it being integrated into a platform like Discord has potential to be either a net positive or a net negative. And I guess we'll have to wait and see. I don't, I don't think it's chasing a fad for, per se. I think there is legitimate uh, benefits and legitimate uh, need or demand from the market, especially in a long-term perspective as the technology grows and evolves that justify it uh, being brought in. Yeah. No, I, I firmly agree with you there that AI has a place, you know, it, it's not just a fad. It's not going to be something that disappears. It's going to be something that finds more and more use. Like I'll, when writing, writing anything, even if it's creative works, I usually write basically the equivalent of a shit post, you know, <laughs> um, and then sort of sit there and go, okay, I've got the basics of what I want. I want to pull this and refine it. And I work through like that. That's how my creative process is. If I can skip that and go to chat GPT and say, write this and it puts it out and I look at it and go, okay, that's just absolutely dumb. But now I know where to start. 
that helps me. I don't think it'll it'll do the polishing. You know, I don't think AI is there to take our jobs. I think it's there to make processes easier. And that's where you you look at is AI a tool to get you to the final product or is AI the final product? And I don't think it's the final product, but I think it's an incredibly powerful tool in delivering that final product in helping people get to that bit. Mm. And that that I mean in in terms of moderation, in terms of writing, in in even in creative things, if it's just throwing out mood board stuff and ideas. Again, the questions of, you know, the training and all of that differ a little bit when it comes to the visual stuff. So fully, fully get that there. But um yeah, I don't think it's the finished product. I think it's a tool to get to the finished product like anything else. Yeah. I think that's probably a I think that's a fair observation to make. And I guess the 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 argument I would make, and I think it's a defense I would make for a lot of platforms, including, you know, platforms like Twitch or YouTube, that it's very easy to kind of laser in and focus on particular problems and particular aspects that you don't like about a specific change that gets brought in. But I think it's important to remember that any of these changes uh, and implementations that get brought into a platform are not there. I don't, I don't think it's reasonable to expect it to be there in, you know, two years time, three years time, 10 years time, at least not in the same manner it is now. So it's not worth kind of, you know, uh, getting getting too, you know, doom and gloom, you know, the sky's falling in sort of attitude that I know some people do in regards to these sorts of changes that they don't like. Uh, because realistically, you know, it's not the final product. There is going to be further iterations on any aspect like this, and it's going to continue to develop. And sometimes it'll be for the better. Sometimes it'll be for the worse. And you just got to, you know, give your feedback where it is, but it's not worth, you know, losing, losing your mind over. Yeah, on, on that note, I've just been looking here. Uh, content ID is 16 years old this year. Wow. Like, the YouTube content ID system has been out for 16 years. I did not realize that. That's, but I mean, that it's that's been out for that long, but it's not been the same process for that entire duration. That is, it's, no, it's been no, steadily no, it's, iterated it's on through. throughout that time. Yeah, and... So I completely, completely um, agree with you in that, that basically time will tell how it goes. Mm, yeah. And as for better or worse, uh, that's the end of episode 60 of the Halcyon Frequency podcast, I think. Wow. Can't believe we made it. Yeah. We, we survived yet another one. Started from the bottom um, and now we're here. Yeah. Started yeah. from the bottom, now the uh, whole team's fucking here. Well, except for Sui, <laughs> it's just, just me and Arch. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's 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 pretty much all that's left now. Even Sui had to go. <laughs> um, Drongo, where can people find you? Well, if you want to find me, you can find me on uh, Twitch as Bloody Drongo, all one word, or you can find me over on Twitter as at the Bloody Drongo, and uh, you can also find me on YouTube by that same handle. And I am in all good places as Arch Play Stuff, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, you name it. Um, I don't sign up to Reddit as Arch Play Stuff. Actually, I think I do have an Arch Play Stuff Reddit account. There you go. 
Um, <laughs> and I don't know. We'll throw something from Suey in later. I'm sure she she was said she was going to record something. So you can find Suey here. Yes, hello. I am Suey. I play a large variety of games. Lots of Project Zomboid, as we talked about earlier. Um, you can find me over on Twitch as Suey, S-U-W-E-Y, at Suey for my U- main YouTube channel, at Suey Streams for my second YouTube channel, and then, like, most social media. So if you're curious if I'm on a social media, check at Suey Streams, and you might find me. And that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we'll be back next week with another episode. Don't change that dial. This is Halcyon Frequency, signing off.